Welcome to Awakening Divine Wildness, hosted by inspirational speaker and best-selling author, Mal Duane. Mal invites you to embrace your divine wildness with powerful conversations with visionary women. Listen in and learn how to move from pain and heartache to forgiveness and freedom so you can live the life you deserve. I love it when I can bring a shining light from the recovery movement onto the show. And I feel that this girl is one of my sober soul sisters. We've worked together before. Uh, I was on her show several years ago, and I'm honored to have her today on Awakening Divine Wildness. Veronica Valley is a psychotherapist, a recovery coach, and an emotional freedom practitioner but she's also a best-selling author, and she has two books out there, Why You Drink and How to Stop, and the second one is Get Sober and Get Free. As the co-host of a highly recognized podcast, Soberful Podcast, she explores issues relating to recovery, getting sober, and living an alcohol-free life. She coaches and supports women who wanna stay sober and elevate their recovery, to fulfill their highest potential. Veronica has been consciously sober for 18 years. God bless you, girl. Mm -hmm. And she's going to share her wisdom with the audience today. And I'm just so happy to connect with you. And I, we were just talking that we were in California together. And we, we were so busy, we didn't get to really spend time together. So I'm thrilled that we're doing this today. Well, thank you so much, Mel. I was really uh, flattered that that you asked me. I, I've seen your stuff for so long. So like, you are like a recovery rock star for me. So I instantly recognized <laughs> you. I was like, oh my gosh, that's her. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, She Recovers was just, uh, it was so busy that uh, um, we didn't get a chance to say hi. So it's nice to say hi like this. Well, I'm going to ask you a tough question, which I ask all my guests, because we all have a backstory before all this, you know, wonderful work that we do to inspire uh -huh. other women. And so what inspired you deciding to get into sobriety? Oh, that's a really big question. Um, so I'll condense it down. I got sober when I was 27 and I knew from about five years old there was something wrong with me um I was I felt so uncomfortable in my own skin and alcohol relieved that and I had a rock bottom around 18 that involved drugs and I was desperate for nine ten years just um lots of panic attacks lived in daily terror, doing geographicals. I was very much on the outside. I was, I always kept my job. I probably looked like a party girl, but inside I was dying. And what inspired me to get sober? <laughs> desperation. I mean, complete and utter desperation. I, I, when I kind of understood that my problem was, alcoholism and that I had to stop drinking and then I had to do some significant work on myself I didn't have much resistance to that because at that point I was so desperate for the insanity in my head to stop if you had told me to stand upside down 
in a flower pot every day singing the national anthem and that would make me feel better I'd have been like great get me a flower pot like so I was like when someone when I understood I had to stop drinking and I was like okay well where do I sign up for that because I'll do anything at this point because I cannot continue to live the way that I am I know what that desperation feels mm. like I got to the dark night of the soul where I wanted to die and I just knew I didn't have one more day in me to continue doing what I was doing. Yeah. It, it was at that moment when I just totally surrendered that I heard a different voice in my head that said, no, I couldn't leave. I yeah. had lessons to learn. And when I mastered my lessons, I would need to go and teach others. It's sad that we have to get to such a dark place to recognize that we need to change our lives. And that's why I love the fact that you step up to help women. I do. I try to keep them from getting to that really dark place. Now, did you really bottom out or did you make a conscious choice? This is it. I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of done. I know I'm desperate. You know, it's interesting because I think I guess I had a really high bottom in terms of like I'd never been fired from a job or arrested or been to detox or anything like that. But I was suicidal for 10 years. So that was, you know, I, I, I was like, like most alcoholics, I didn't want to die. I just didn't know how to live. And the pain of living was so intense for me, the loneliness, the just desperation, the having to hide it. I, I that was, you know, it, it I, I, there was no more, that was as much pain as I could tolerate. So, you know, I don't have one of those stories where I was homeless and in a prison or anything like that. You know, it's, it's very different for, for everybody, but I was suicidal for 10 years. I just, I just didn't know how to stop the pain. And this is really part of my mission because I was pretty young when I got sober and I, when I stopped drinking, I knew that I would have to accept that my life would be quite gray and boring and quiet and not very exciting and dull because oh, I wasn't drinking anymore. And I was resigned to that almost happily, but resigned to it because I just wanted peace and the craziness to, to stop. Then you discover that none of those things are actually true. That you, there, it's the opposite. My life is in technicolor now. But the lie of alcohol is so permeated in our thinking and culture. It's so deeply, I mean, people genuinely who really care about us feel pain when we stop drinking because they, they really believe we are going to lack. We, there will be lack in our life. We will, we will just not have things. And that is the biggest lie we have been sold, especially oh, women. Beautiful point. I mean... When I think of the level of success I had while I was drinking versus the level of success I've had since I've been sober, I mean, <sighs> there's no comparison. My life has been almost magical since yeah. I, I got sober. Why do you think women drink? Why do I think women drink? I know in, the, in British culture, when, when really this kind of hit me exactly the right time in the 80s and 90s there was a, a determined shift in british culture to make a nighttime economy and make you know before that pubs were sort of the terrain of 
men and smoking cigarettes and talking about betting and stuff. And they, they changed the nighttime economy to make it much more attractive to women, like wine bars and all that kind of stuff. I think, I really think Sex in the City, that show had a really tangible impact on women culturally and what they wanted to aspire to in this kind of sophisticated wine bar with a cocktail, all of that kind of stuff. But I think that women drink for the same reason that anybody drinks is it's because of the perception of what we think alcohol will bring us. And it's the things that everybody wants. We want to belong. We want to feel deep connection. We want to have fun. We want romance and sex. And alcohol and that sort of sex in the city type image, that's what it promises us. So great so i'll i'll get dressed up i'll drink cocktails and i will get those things and it takes some of us a long time and a lot of research to see that that's not true i also drank because i was in pain i was mm. in, i was in such pain because i had no sense of self-worth mm -hmm. and when i drank i felt like Oh, well, I'm cool. Just like you said, it, it gave me this false sense of courage to go out and, and socialize and party and be in bars and, and discos and, and think that I was funny and attractive. And then I would crash and burn, you know, mm -hmm. afterwards. And it was you just know, a vicious cycle. You're absolutely right. And I, I, I mean, that was primarily the reason that I drank is at 14 or 15 when I tried it it was for the first time that that chemical enabled me to feel comfortable in my own skin. It gave me relief. It was an anesthetic. So my, my first motivation to drink alcohol was pain relief. And then it promised me that it would get me all those things. Yeah. And, and I think that um, that's definitely one of the biggest challenges is that people just, you know, there's so much existential pain going on. You know, they're just the pain of not, being connected with who you really are and the brain just looks for how can I relieve this pain how can I relieve this pain and it looks you know alcohol is just the most accessible cheapest easiest way of relieving that pain it's a great band-aid temporarily yeah yeah <laughs> or it a is. very it's a great band-aid temporarily for a very deep wound yes sadly when you put the alcohol down the wound is still there. Yeah. Now we have to get honest. Now we got to start to do the work. And you feel that sobriety is so much more than just putting down the drink, which I do. I think putting down the drink is kind of the easy part. Yeah. Now we got to start to work on ourselves and really get under the hood to see what has been, you know, operating in there, what the machinery has been doing. So let's talk about that, that, that once we put that drink down and, and, and the processes that you think about honesty, reality, and freedom here, you know, the path of sobriety, what do women need to do once they stop drinking? You know, this is, that's a good question. Cause this, I have a, a Facebook group called Soberful where I, you know, provide some free mentorship and support to people. And this comes up a lot. And I say it over and over and over and over again to people like they're, I'm back on day one. I don't know what happened. You know, I stopped drinking, you know, started going to the gym, felt better for a few weeks and then bang. And, and I'm always like, okay, stopping drinking is not enough. Now I'm a big, like, I think exercise is, is the best treatment for mental health that we have. 
but we have to go under the bonnet. I, des I describe it as emotional open heart surgery. If you imagine an iceberg, the bit that's sticking out of the water is the drinking behavior, what happens to us. The stuff that's underneath the water is our thinking and feelings. Human behavior is always without, it, human behavior is always a manifestation of how we feel every single time. You can see that in everybody around you. So the reason that you, you had such a destructive, abusive relationship with alcohol was to do with how you felt and how you thought. And that didn't go away. That's still there. But you are without your anesthetic. So off you go. And, you know, nothing's changed in how you feel. Uh, for so many people, it's trauma. The trauma is the root of all addiction. So we have to resolve our trauma. It's usually from childhood. That work has to be done. It's unavoidable. If you don't become the master of your emotional life, your emotional life becomes the master of you. So be it through whatever process, some people go into treatment, therapy, coaching, what EFT, whatever it is, you have to deal with what's inside of you because your outsides are simply a manifestation of what's happening inside. Beautiful. <laughs> so we've got to get honest about how we feel about ourselves. We've got to face our fears, face the trauma, deal with that, break it down so that we fully understand it. It's, you know, trauma is the tail that wags the dog. Yes. <laughs> and I love that image because it, it just shows how out of control life can get when the, you, you know, you let the tail wag the dog. Uh, do you think that for women, Trauma impacts our sense of self-worth more than, say, men. In all the work I did with women in recovery, everything that happened to them, and there were some really evil things and sexual abuse and just being in explosive situations, unhealthy family situations, that when they walked, when they were out of it, it had severely attacked their sense of self, their sense of worth as a woman. You find that? I, I, I think that the trauma that impacts women, I think that women have less power and resources to, to deal with that trauma. And I think that as we are now living through this Me Too era, that, I mean, I'm working with people now who, it's almost like they didn't realize they were traumatized. They just thought that was normal. And I think every single woman who is, you know, we, we all can, you know, there was just so much that we went through that was just so normalized around sexual abuse and sexual behavior that we just thought that was how it was and we just had to put up with it. And, and I pray this generation that's, you know, growing up now that is that we can be the first generation that, that doesn't have to go through that. But I, I, so I think that the, the way, I think that women have a way of really minimizing what happens to us. I often work with clients and I'm like, if your best friend just told me that, you would be like, oh. but when you tell me that, it's like, but it's not a big deal because it happened to me. And sometimes I think our job as a therapist or coach is to, is to really validate and say, you really matter. And what happened to you really mattered. I do that a lot in my work because I, I feel that women are almost programmed 
to minimize their pain and their experiences as not really being significant. I love that, that we do. We minimize the trauma. We minimize the effect the trauma has on us. And I, I think that's conditioning from childhood. Yes. Know, yeah. You're not as important. Yeah. Your pain is not as important. Your achievements are not as important. It's, it's everything is, uh, you know, I'm, I've been feminist for 25 years. Um, I think that that's part of what we have to shift around the patriarchal structures that we live in is how much women's experience matters. Yeah. And thank God it's happening. And it's taking bad boy behavior that has been brought to the spotlight with some very high profile people to get women really motivated now. And they are, I, I mean, look what happened just recently in the political situation. A lot of women were voted into office. Women want a voice. Yeah. They want these issues dealt with. They're stepping up. They're telling their truth, which is the most healing experience for them. It is so cathartic to be able to face your fears and talk about them and not feel unworthy that, you know, you, you have the right in the, and there's some justification here. So Bad behavior has created an incredibly powerful movement for women. So that's a blessing. It is. And, you know, I, I, I just like to add within that, I, I also feel that, you, you know, women's pain and trauma is not acknowledged or validated. And I think that's doubly true for women of color as well. I think that, that women of color's, you know, pain and trauma is even more, you know, pushed aside. And we, we really need to bring that into the center as well. Beautiful. It's, it's true. We, we don't recognize that our sisters of color have, have gone through so much more than we can even imagine. There's yeah. so much more oppression and rejection and, and uh, that many of us have never experienced. So it's a fabulous point, Veronica. What, what do you suggest to women to help them stay sober? Well, um, I always say to people, you've, so you've got to do something. You can't just, you can't do this sort of willy-nilly, you know. There's lots of different approaches. I mean, I, I think, you, you, Mel, you've been sober a long time, much longer than 30 me. 30 years. Yeah, well, what, wonderful. Congratulations. So we, we got sober back in the analog era where there was only 12-step programs or rehab. There really wasn't anything else. Um, and I got sober in 12-step programs. And, and now we have this really much more options and approaches. And I'm very supportive of all of those. Um, I always say to people, if, you know, if it's working and the end result is that you feel happy, joyous and free, keep doing it. But I think the significant thing is, is that you really have to commit to it. You know, when you, so I, I always want to present to people that, okay, sobriety, you're going to have the life beyond your wildest dreams. It's going to be amazing, blah, 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 all of that kind of stuff, but you're going to have to put some work in. And the first year or two, it has to be the main thing. I also kind of want to tell people that I know that feels really hard, but there is ways and to do that, which can be really gentle and loving and supportive. It's not like this hard, you know, because who wants to do hard work? 
But for the first couple of years, you really have to make the main thing. And I feel that the difference is that the people who make it and the people who don't is you've really got to commit to what you're doing. You know, you committed to your drinking problem. That was a massive time, money and energy commitment that you put into getting to where you are with your alcohol problem. You need to put in at least half of that time, money and commitment into because what will happen is, and I feel that's our job as therapists and coaches, is my job is to get them to the point where they begin to get the payoff from doing the work. Now, like I still do work on myself, Mel, like I know you do, because I know really good stuff comes from it. Like I love, you know, doing therapy or a workshop or whatever, because I get really, I get good stuff from that. And I'm all about the good stuff. So we need to kind of support them to they're like, oh my gosh, when I do this work on myself, like this good stuff comes, I feel better, my relationships are better, whatever, whatever. And um, once people kind of experience that, the commitment then is much easier, I think. But it's those, in the beginning, you, I, I, you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. And you need someone with experience and knowledge who knows what they're doing, especially with trauma. You need qualified, experienced people to deal with trauma. Um, and you've just really got to commit to whatever program that you're embarking on. I love that because I, uh, lots of times women reach out to me and they say, well, I'm not that bad. I want to stop drinking, but now what I'll do is I'll do, I'll cut back and I'll do Tuesday nights and Thursday nights and maybe one drink on Saturday. And I'll say, no, 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 that's not how it works. You're either all in baby or you're not. We're not going to talk about managing your drinking. We're going to talk about stopping it. You know, these are people that have had blackouts and woken up in strange places. You know, you're either all in, as you said, you've got to be so committed you got to be committed to do the work and that that first 12 months 24 months it's scary it it there are many days you wake up and you don't feel great mm -hmm. but you're gonna hang in there because what's coming is is better than anything you ever could have imagined on your best buzz your best drug your best episode in bed I <laughs> that sobriety is going to bring you more orgasmic joy than any drunken hot mess of a night you ever had. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And there's, there's one reason for that. The reason for that is when we get sober, we can be fully aligned with who we really are. And when you are fully aligned with who you really are, you are tapped into such a great, the greatest source of power that you have ever come across and anything is possible. So I can't tell anybody like how your amazing sofa life is going to unfold because it could be completely different to mine and, and everyone else's. But when you are fully aligned with who you are, it's, it's unlimited, you know, that's the secret. And, and that's what we don't realize when we're abusively drinking is we're just not connected with who we really are and we're not growing. And if we're not growing, we're stuck and that's painful. Um, you know, I don't know if you, when we, you were at She Recovers, you saw or you went to the silent disco on the Saturday night. I didn't. I was, I was wiped. I was really yeah. It was a long day. Well, one of the things I loved about it and that I love about those kind of events is the next day, there was lots of women there in very early recovery and it was the first time they had partied sober. And I loved 
seeing them walk around the next day with this kind of like expression of just like confused happiness. And they were like, like, but, and it was kind of like, but I had so much fun. Like I danced and they were, they're so confused. And I'm like, yeah, oh my goodness. Wow, what a revelation. You went and danced your ass off and partied and had more fun drinking. Oh, wow. And it's like this big revelation. Yes, that's possible, sober. Who'd have thought? Because nobody's telling you that, are they? No. You know what's great is, and, and this, I think, is the key, is when we're sober, we're not afraid to show up as ourselves. I hid behind alcohol for 25 years because I was terrified mm. of ever being me. Mm-hmm. And once I got sober and I loved me and was willing to show up as me, everything changed. Mm-hmm. I became a manifester of really anything I wanted to do because I believed in me. I, wasn't, I, I, I would love to show up as me. And that being in alignment like that, body, mind, soul, all working mm-hmm. in synchronicity. There's nothing more magical for a woman. There's nothing more beautiful on a woman than self-love. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You know, I remember reading this, uh, you know, what? you know, those like daily reflection books. And I remember reading this years ago and it was something like, I can always tell, I can always measure how spiritually well I am when a beautiful woman walks into the room. And it was something about like years ago, I would, a beautiful woman would walk into the room and I would think like, and like, who does she think she is? And I would think something negative about her. Now I would look at her and think, wow, she looks great. You know, it's like, I don't, how my thinking and my perception has changed. And I really kind of like that. Veronica, I could talk to you all day. I mean, <laughs> fun girl. Um, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking time. I know you're really, really busy. And I also thank you for your generosity because you've mentioned just before we started the show that you had a free program for the audience. So please, would you tell them a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I'll give you the link so you can put it in your show notes. It's um, the Soberful Freedom Plan. So I have a free Facebook group, Soberful. And uh, the program that I have, it's made up of five components of movement, uh, connection, balance, process, and growth. Those are the five things that you need to apply to your life to have a successful, sustainable sobriety. And I have a free uh, workbook that kind of talks you through all of that and how to apply it to your life and, and, and that kind of stuff. Oh, wonderful. Beautiful gift. Thank you so much. It's just awesome to see you today, lady. I love sharing time with you. Let's connect more frequently. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking me, Mel. It was really wonderful. Oh, it's been beautiful to see you today and to share this time. Thanks for listening to Awakening Divine Wildness. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with a friend and leave some stars in a favorable review at iTunes. And be sure to visit MalDwayneCoach.com for your free Heal Your Heart, Reclaim Your Worth six-week video course.